Broadcasting from the UNMC College of Nursing, get ready for RN Huddle, the podcast dedicated to bringing hot topics for and by nurses to the table. Well, hello there and welcome to this episode of RN Huddle. This is your host, Heidi Keeler, coming to you from UNMC here in Omaha, Nebraska. And today we have episode four of our MHTTC Burnout Busters series. And this episode is going to give honor to Women's History Month and also to recognize International Women's Day. And as you know, this series, Mental Health Technology Training Center, or MHTTC Burnout Buster Series, is dedicated towards learning more about mental health, learning more about how to combat burnout, and really talk about these topics in a very real way. To do this, we have our co-host back, Renee Pollen, who has been leading us through this Burnout Buster series. And so she is going to be leading the discussion between our two guests today. We have a new guest, Dr. Brandy Clark, who is an Associate Director of Program Growth and Sustainability and Associate Professor and Licensed Psychologist here in the UNMC Psychology Department and also serves in the Monroe Meyer Institute for Genetics and Rehabilitation. She's also the Director of the Office of Equity here at UNMC, and she is the Director of the MHTTC as well. So she is new to RN Huddle. Welcome, Dr. Clark. And we're bringing back a reoccurring guest here on Burnout Busters, Dr. Hannah West. And as you recall, Dr. West is a regional trainer for the Mid-America MHTTC, and a behavioral health provider at Sunflower Pediatric Behavioral Health Clinic. And we know that Dr. West is from our very own Monroe Meyer Institute, having performed her internship training here at UNMC. So welcome to our guests. And Renee, take it away. This is Renee Pollen, your co-host on RN Huddle. And with me today, I have guests from MHTTC, Drs. Brandy Clark and Dr. Hannah West. Brandy is the project director for the Mid-America Mental Health Technology Transfer Center, or MHTTC. She's an associate professor and licensed psychologist in the Department of Psychology at the Monroe Meyer Institute for Genetics and Rehabilitation at UNMC. She is also the director of the Office of Equity for UNMC, and Dr. Hannah West is a regional trainer for the Mid-America MHTTC and a behavioral health provider at Sunflower Pediatric Behavioral Health in Shawnee, Kansas. Dr. West received her doctorate in school psychology from Oklahoma State University and completed her internship training at the Monroe Meyer Institute. They are here today to help guide us and others to reframe negative experiences into positive strengths. This is much needed amidst COVID that has created many challenges, heartache, stress, anxiety, and so on. No one was ready for this, and now we must be sure to take care of ourselves. We are more focused on women in our talk today, as recently we have seen many women leave the workforce related to the pandemic. This is a very timely topic as it is Women's History Month for all of March. Welcome, Hannah and Brandy. So much, Renee. It is so good to be back and to be able to have this conversation with you today. And I'm just so glad that my colleague, Dr. Brandy Clark, can join us as well. Yes, thank you for the invitation. I'm grateful to be here and to talk about such an important topic with you all. 
so let's get into it. So speaking of the pandemic and what this has created for women in the workforce in terms of frustration, fears, and just an overwhelmed feeling, I wanted to start with the, the term that I have seen used in articles describing women in these times in the workforce is COVID-induced homemakers. It just makes me cringe inside. Can you both share some insight on these experiences or that the women, these women are facing or in even the mental health challenges? Yeah, so I'll start um, just with a few statistics. Um, I know we don't want to talk too much about this, but a 2021 report from the National Women's Law Center noted that since February of 2020, the United States has lost more than 5.4 million total jobs. And when we think about what that breakdown looks like, women's unemployment dropped 4.2% compared to just 3% for men. And if we are looking at you know, the healthcare field uh, and really how we've reacted to COVID, women represent only a third of authors who have published COVID-related papers. And you know, this uh, report is saying that one possible factor might be that lockdowns are forcing women researchers to juggle competing demands at differing rates and differing um, you know, kind of impacts in what the men are being forced to do at this time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when we say are they're forced, how would you interpret that or what are you seeing? I'd, I'll jump in here on that one, Renee, because it's, a, I think, an interesting experience that we're going through here. It isn't new that women have carried a lot of that second shift work in, in doing, bearing a lot more of the caregiving load. I will say women, women who are also mothers have, have bared a lot more of that, that caregiving load. Even when it is shared, it's not always shared uh, equitably in our homes. What we saw with the, with the pandemic that's created these interesting challenges is that a lot of those supports that we relied on, a lot of the social networks that we had, our extended family members that we used, our daycare providers, our after-school programs, we lost access to those. And that made then maintaining a place in the workforce really, really challenging because at the end of the day, you're not going to leave your kids unattended to. You're not going to not going to leave them without um, an education, and and there were a lot of us who had to make really really difficult decisions about things that we genuinely cared a lot about and things we were passionate about to put our priorities into place for dur- during this time, and it and it ended up being a lot longer than we might have wanted it to be. And so what we thought was you know a temporary. We'll take a little bit of time. We'll spend some time at home. We'll get our kids set. That ended up being really extensive. And so we had to make tough decisions about what can we maintain and what do we have to let go of? And unfortunately for, for many, that meant leaving the workforce. Yeah, and I can I can relate that to this as well as I'm sure our listeners is, yeah, you lose some of your, the caregivers, maybe, you know, my mother, she was taking care of my kids and but she was immunocompromised. And so when they went back to school, there's, I mean, we just had to cut ties and so that we wouldn't make it more risky for her to develop illness or the COVID virus. So it definitely is risky taking on, you know, becoming the teacher, you know, when we're locked down, becoming the caregiver, trying to 
also, you know, if you still were working, trying to maintain your career and your goals. So it's unfortunate that, you know, many did have to step down and stay at home. Uh, and Renee, well, and I think it's important to note too, that this is not over. You know, we may be coming out of COVID um, and kind of having this return to normal, but I've been working with many families during the month of February this year, between being out because of sicknesses or because of weather, you know, all of the things. I had a parent tell me that their student only went to school nine days in the entire month of February. Oh my goodness. Yes. And, you know, we're looking 2022 now, this is, you know, two full years after mm-hmm. we saw these initial impacts and we're still not back to the level of support that we were before. Right. Yeah. Cause when, when someone got sick or if your child was sick, there was so many quarantine days and your whole family's quarantined. And so, yeah, in, in missing that support is definitely creates a struggle in, in, in a mental health challenge as well. I think one of the other interesting things about um, our workforce and our resources, our childcare industry was hit very, very, very hard. Mm-hmm. And that's an industry that's experiences a lot of turnover as it is, even pre-pandemic. Um, but it is an incredibly important resource for working families to be able to have high-quality um, childcare services. It's also an industry that's pretty heavily female. Uh, in terms of workforce. Mm-hmm. And so uh, many, many places have lost that, that resource. And unfortunately, some, it wasn't temporary. Some many day cares have closed and they don't have enough of the workforce back to be able to support the, the kids that need it. And so we're, again, we're, the strain that we're seeing is, is something that's kind of hit many systems really, really hard. And is a reason why, again, people have had to make really difficult choices about the care for their family and their careers. And why, again, it's impacting women maybe harder than than some of our male colleagues, because that's kind of been a role that they've they've played or taken more of the time from the beginning. That makes sense. Kind of the historical aspect of it. And Mm -hmm. what's the best advice that either one of you have received as women in the workforce? especially on new nurses entering the workforce and knowing the struggles that uh, other women are facing these last couple of years. Uh, I'll give a start here. And then Hannah, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. We're, we're kind of in two different spaces. I've been in the workforce here for a while, but I've had some really good mentors over the years. And not only the advice that they've given, but the modeling that they've showed about how do you create a, career path that's both fulfilling and balanced. One of those that was a very dear colleague of mine, Dr. Rachel Vallely, who um, unfortunately passed this this last year, but has had a tremendous impact on my career path. And one of the things that she did very, very well for me was modeling how to create balance in both having the career that you love and putting your family first. And I remember at one time or very early on, I was a postdoctoral fellow and, and I was in clinic with her and I had it and my, my kid was sick. And this is one of those things as a student, we don't get a lot of time off. We have to make up a lot of our time. It's very stressful for us. And she was the first person to say to me, your kids come first. What are you doing here? Go home. 
I was like that, that permission to put my family first when I needed to, and to still see somebody be a productive female in the field that I cared about was, was the permission I needed mm-hmm. to be able to create balance when I needed to do so. And I, I've always been very grateful to her for that. You know, I will jump in and just second that. Uh, when we think about these mentorships and, you know, these maybe even supervision relationships or these relationships with our colleagues and our coworkers, I think that we can learn so much from you know, being with and kind of doing the job, living life with these women who are in these leadership roles because they're able to share a little bit more of what it is like to, to be a woman in the workforce and to really balance these you know, often uh, competing roles. I remember I, I am not too far removed from my supervision time and I had you know, I've had wonderful supervisors, both male and female. And I asked uh, one of my last male supervisors, I was like, you know, I feel like I learned so much, you know, clinically so much about the job from all of my supervisors. But why is it that it is just the women that I'm working with that seem to really talk about how to do life, how to balance things, how to prioritize the different aspects. And I was like, you know, is it because I am a woman and they're a woman? What does that look like? Is that why we don't have those conversations? And he just looked at me and said, you're giving us too much credit. When I'm at work, I don't have to think about anything but work. And as a woman in the workforce, I don't get that luxury. Right. You're multitasking in your thoughts or thinking, okay, when do I, when, when are the kids off from school? It seems like they're off school all the time. (laughs) Yeah. And making sure, okay, okay. How am I balance that with my, my job, my position and how can I balance that so that, you know, um, how do I coordinate that so I can try to get a caregiver or whatever it may be? But in your leadership roles, Brandy, um, you have large leadership roles that uh, I know at UNMC. As a woman, is have you always thought that was your career goal, um, your career path in the leadership roles that you are in today? What brought you in that direction? Yeah, um, at, no, no, I did not. <laughs> I ironically, I think been asked this question here recently as well about if whether I had seen myself in this space and if I knew now what I didn't know then would I have taken the same path and I think that's what's been very interesting for me is I'm kind of glad I did not know mm-hmm. because it's been a really pleasant surprise to see what I was capable of and to be in positions where I could try things without without fear. That's really where I've found uh, my capability, if you will, to be able to do things and to lead things is just a lot of giving it a try and taking some risks and finding that I could and learning when I, when it didn't go well. And it's led to more and more opportunities. And to be perfectly honest, I, in the positions that I'm in now, when I would have, if you would have asked me very early on what I thought my job would be, well, for one, I was not going to be in Nebraska. And for two, I wasn't going to do research and I wasn't going to work at a university. I was going to be working in a clinic and doing clinic and working with preschoolers. 
um, that that all of those things have contributed to the work that I do now, but I, I didn't know what I was capable of then. And I think it's it's kind of the joy of getting to experience that without fear of seeing what I what I could do and taking on roles throughout my career that's led me to where where I'm at now. Other leaders possibly encouraging you to steer a certain direction is has that been impactful? I most definitely. I think I mentioned before having some great mentors mm-hmm. along the way, both men and women. And in one thing that I think has been really helpful is their confidence in the things that I could do and giving me the space to give things a try. Mm -hmm. And that, that meant a lot to have, to see people that were successful in a space, give me the space is the endorsement that I needed to be able to take on roles. And that, that I think is one of the things that in a leadership role that I hope I give others the opportunity to do to give them space, to try new things, to endorse their ability or sponsor them in their, in their efforts so that they can find their, their pathways also. I agree with you with that, with giving them that autonomy to grow and have that sense of ownership that they can build upon. I've always think strongly of that, especially with the leadership um, that I currently have as well is having that sense of, yeah, almost like you said, confidence or reassurance to build upon what I have. So with your leadership roles, what advice would you give to our listeners who are also, you know, balancing their own leadership roles and whatever level or type that they may be experiencing and along with the challenges in their personal life, you know, what advice would you give them how to balance or can you balance? Yeah. I think uh, some of the things that are, are going to be really important to that are, are topics that have been discussed here in the past is first things first, know what you value um, and align the work that you do with those things that you find fulfilling, that align with those values that you have set. When you're doing that, you find coming to work a joy, not every day, but most days, <laughs> When you're in that space where you're you're being fulfilled and and you get to contribute in the way that you want to, I would also say when you're in that space of leading is surround yourself with people that are smarter than you, that bring things to the table that you don't have and give them that space to um, to feel elevated and and to to do work that you can't. Actually, like being a part of of great teams with great colleagues is one of the most rewarding things about being in a leadership role. They don't, I don't need to tell them all the things to do, but it's the opportunity to to give that space to have a team that creates opportunities together. And that's just surrounding yourself with good people who are also doing work they find fulfilling. I would say our in this, the last few years, that's been a really challenging thing for a lot of leaders to be in that space of how to find and support their teams as they're going through a lot of these challenges. They probably lost a lot of great people in those roles that have had to make difficult choices about the work that they do. So coming back to that space again of, again, aligning our work with the things that we value, finding fulfillment in it, and, and making sure that people are supported to do the work that they love. And I will just kind of jump in and say that 
you know, from maybe the other side, right? So maybe you don't have a leadership role per se, uh, but you are a leader in, in your own career and you are really kind of making those choices for yourself. And if you are working under good leadership, they are going to encourage you to have these conversations and to be open and to you know, share some of the struggles that you may be having. And it's our job as maybe the people that are not in these roles yet uh, to be able to you know, say when our plates are too full, say how our leadership can help support us and then to be there for our colleagues uh, and just really coming together to create a positive workplace. Absolutely, that, that team aspect, that support within a group of individuals, it doesn't have to just be one person that has to guide and support one another, but it's the team. So, well, thank you both for sharing. Is there anything else that you wanna share with our listeners here today? Kind of the last piece that I will leave with is that we're striving for perfectly balanced lives all the time. We're, we're never going to hit that mark. Um, we will always kind of fail at that perfectly balanced piece. And I think that that's okay. Uh, when we're thinking about our values and what's important to us, there are going to be times that my career is very important and that I need to ask for help from my support system to make sure that my family is taken care of. There are other times that my family is 100% taking you know, the front seat. And with that, it's also okay to communicate that as well. And it doesn't have to be an all or nothing in all of these areas. Yeah, I think I would echo those same sentiments, Hannah, that imperfectly perfect is, is exactly the space to be in, that we can be setting ourselves up to fail if we have this idea of how it, we're supposed to go and that we have to excel in all things at all times and manage them, manage them well at all times. That's what teammates are for. That's what great leaders do. Help us to find spaces where we can take risks, we can fail, we can excel, and we can do that with the support of, of teammates around us to um, keep working at it. And again, continue to find that work fulfilling. So I, I expecting perfection is, is a sure way to, to fail at it. The, the one thing that kind of keeps coming to my mind with this, uh, we talked about in a previous episode, but really being mindful and you know using that mantra, be here now. And so whatever it is that I'm doing, I wanna be present here in this moment now, whether it's I'm at work, then that's my priority. I'm at home, then you know I'm not gonna pay attention to any of the work emails that might be coming through or any of the things that might happen tomorrow. I'm gonna be in the moment now. I, that's good advice. I need to take that myself. My, my mind is swirling around sometimes thinking even months in advance of trying to coordinate something or, but uh, thank you both uh, for sharing your expertise and your personal experiences with us today. Uh, I really enjoyed this chat and hope our listeners did too. And happy that we were able to discuss the influence of women in leadership roles, especially this month, as we acknowledge the history of women and how we can continue to make an impact as leaders in healthcare. The advice and positive modeling that both of you have shared has been very thoughtful and shines unique perspectives for us all to stop and think about ourselves as leaders, not only in our profession, but also our personal lives. And each of us can also leave a great impact on other women in healthcare. 
Thanks again, Dr. Clark and Dr. West for coming today. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. And I hope you both can come back again on Ara and Huddle. Until we meet again, thank you. Well, thank you, Renee, for leading our discussion today. And thank you to our guests, Dr. Brandy Clark and Dr. Hannah West. This has been a most fascinating discussion on the effects of COVID on the workplace, particularly how it impacted women. And I think any woman listening to this today will, in at least one piece, relate in some way to what has been discussed. And I really hope that this has brought some awareness to the topic and given you some strategies to perform your own burnout busters wherever you are. That's it for this episode of RN Huddle. Thank you so much, and we can't wait to see you back next time. Thank you for listening to RN Huddle. To stay connected, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at UNMC CNE or check out unmc.edu slash CNE for more program information.